All right. So yesterday was Daf Kuf Chavhe number one twenty five. Today is Daf Kuf Chavav one twenty six, and we'll do a review of yesterday's Daf, and then get to today's. What did we learn yesterday's? The first order. So we talked about a quote from Bar Hamduri in the name of Shmuel, who talked about broken mats made of you know reed mats. Um, that are in pieces, so you can actually, they're mutter, they're to move, they're not mukta because they're usable. Why? So Rava says that Baram Duri explained that the purpose of those machzelos, originally, their initial use is to cover up the, the sand or whatever that they would use to, that they would use to cover messes. If there's a mess in the house, somebody had a, I don't know, and you know, there's some excrement on the floor, whatever it is, they would cover it up with sand, and they had a sandbox, basically, that was covered over with this mat. So that's the purpose of the mat. Now, what are, what can you do with the pieces of the mat? Aha! The way you could do with the pieces of the mat is pashat. You could actually cover it itself. That's what, that's what the Gemara says. That uh, um, Since the whole purpose is to cover the sand that we use to cover uh, uh, dirt or messes, so... That same thing you could do with uh, with a mat as well. Next, we saw Rubzera said in the name of Rav that these uh, that if you have a worn out talus that's in tatters, so basically you can't move it on Shabbos because there's nothing that you could do with it. And we're talking about where it's less than three by three, because then it's not even a fit piece of garment for neither a poor or rich man. Next, we talked about the broken pieces of an old oven are they like a keli that's not muktza that you can carry around or are they muktza? That's the question so Tanakama Rameir says that they are not muktza, Rebuda says they are and uh, Rabbi Yossi said in the name of Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov that um, that it isn't muktza, like Rameir basically and also he said a second testimony that the cover of such an oven does not need a handle to be considered a keli. Okay. Now, what is the machlok between Rameir and Rebuda? So our first understanding um, is that this is the old machlokas that we had before. Okay. Um, that uh, basically it's a bias take. Is that uh, the question of whether you need that it should be able to do me'ain melacha is good enough. It could do a melacha along the lines of some reason, some activity. Or does it need to be me'ein melachton, the original use, similar to the original use? And that's the whole dispute. Basically, Rameir says, as long as it's able to be useful in some way, it's not mukta. And according to Rabbi Yudha, it has to be useful in the same way that it was when it was an oven. So if that's the case, the problem is, Rabbi didn't understand that, is that if then why, why would they argue about a broken oven? Just talk about any broken keli. What's unique about the oven what does that add to the scenario? Talk about all kalim and, and discuss it that way. So therefore, Rabbi says that must be that the argument that we hear between Rameir and Rabbi has nothing to do with that shita, the machlokis, of does it need to be me'in melachton, or is it good enough to be me'in melacha? So, uh, but rather, it's uh, talking about a very unique kind of oven that's situated over an open air. It's an open air oven, which means that it sits over a pit or an elevated pit, and basically there's airspace there. So according to Rav Yudha, basically, 
Um, uh, according to review, the you know, if this is uh, if if you heat it in that pit section that's outside the oven, so it's coming in from the outside, then that heat is filling up all the expanse of air, and then the hot is coming all the way into the inside. So he says, well, in that case, then it's like a regular oven, and it's tummy is a tumas, uh like any keli. And if it's uh, but if you heat it from the inside. And then there's airspace around it. It's not surrounded by mud or whatever it is that they use to insulate their uh, their ovens. So he says that's not even an oven. It's not. It's not. It's not a couple tuma yet. Okay. That and Rameir says it is. Doesn't matter. So the Gemara basically said that uh, um, what what's the machlokas here between these two? What, what's the machlokas regarding this particular oven? It's a question in the wording. The Pasuk says, Tana Bikiram Yutats. So Yutats is a unique expression for breaking things that are attached to the ground. And um, so basically, Rebutha sees in those words that it, in order to be an oven, it has to be something that has, that's Shaykh Bein Nitzitza, that it's possible to say on it that it was broken in, in, a, in a way that's attached to the ground. So if it's in, dangling in the air, that you can't use the word yutas to describe it, and therefore it's not subject to dine tumah. That's Rabbi Yudashita. And the Chacham say no, but if you look at the end of the Pasuk, it says, Utmeim means the broader definition. That's the, that's the thing. So, um, and uh, the question then is, is that what does each do with the other Pasuk? So, Basically, Rameyer would do with the word yutats, they, and he would say that that's telling you the opposite. It's telling you that you might have thought that maybe there's no dini tuma when it's attached to the ground, because after all, karka is not makabal tuma, so too, the same thing. So the Kumara says that, that's how you know that it, it, that it is, even though it's attached to the ground, it's still makabal tuma. It's still a keli. That's the point. And uh, Rabbi. Uh, Rabbi Yehuda, what does he do with the word That's like Rabbi Yehuda says in Shmuel, an interesting idea, which is the whole machlok between Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda over here is only with regards to first time use. First time use, you you have this oven that has airspace around it; it's not surrounded by mud. You heat it up on the inside once. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's not a keli. But if you used it twice like that, then it's hardened enough. That it would actually even be a kli, according to Rabbi Meyuda. Where does he get it from? From the extra line of Tamei Milochem, it broadens the definition. Okay. Problem with this is Ravashi has a very strong question. Why then did they argue? If this is all, we're talking about a very specific oven, whether it's Mechabotoma or not Mechabotoma, why would they argue about a broken piece of such an oven? Talk about the oven itself. Rabbi Yehuda says it's Mechabotoma. And uh, it's therefore uh, uh, not makabotama. And Rebbeir says it is makabotama. That's it. It's a keli. Rabbi Yehuda would say it's not a keli. Rebbeir would say it is a keli. So that's the uh, that's the question. So the Gemara says therefore Ravashi says you know what let's go back to Abai's answer the first answer that says that we're talking about a piece of a broken oven and the question is why did they talk about broken kelim is because. It is, um, we're talking about where the piece that was broken off is useful in baking. And basically, it's also maizetapka, which basically means that it's like um, a pizza stone. 
that you heat it up on one side and you could put the pizza on the other and it'll cook it. So it's big enough to be used in a baking situation. And therefore, um, that's why there's a machlokas. Basically, Reb Meir is saying, Lich, to my shita, I don't need it to do the original use. But according to you, Reb Yudah, who says that it needs to be along the lines of its original use, Me'in Melachton, so shouldn't you at least agree by the oven case that it's, this is called Me'in Melachton because it's actually used as an, in, in baking things. You can, it's useful in a baking scenario. So on that, Reb Yudah disagrees. He says, I'll tell you why not. You First of all, the baking style are completely different. Number one, when there's a huge difference between when the fire is in the same side where all the um, where the food is, or it's on the ups, outside. So that's number one. So you are putting a fire on one side and cooking on the opposite side. And in a regular oven that we use, the fire is inside and the and the food is is in the inside. Secondly. Is uh, is hasam umed hachalav moment, which means uh, basically is that is that in a regular oven you put the bread, the pitas on the wall, it's standing in the air, and they bake differently. Okay, as opposed to over here, it's not moment; it lies flat down like a pizza on the floor. That's a huge difference, and that's another nafkamina. And therefore, since the baking styles are so vastly different, it's not called meim lachdan according to Rebuta. And that's the two sides. Okay, and that's what they're arguing about. And that's why they spoke specifically about the oven case, because there was a question, or mayor thought, maybe even Rebuda should agree to him over here. Next thing we saw was uh, the testimony in the name of Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov that Rebbe Yossi had said that a broken oven that's old is Nitalim B'Shabbos, and the Kisoy does not need a base yad. And how are we able to carry our oven covers in Masa Machsaya? Says oh, Rava, because they don't even have a handle. That's like the following the opinion of Rebbe ben Yaakov. Took us to the next Mishnah talking about the stone that's that's inside a pumpkin bucket to draw water, and that's the way that the bucket is able to be um, deep, uh, able to be heavy enough to sink into the water, so you'll be able to draw water. So the rule is, is that if that, yes. First of all, in general, anytime there's a, you're, you're absolutely correct, anytime there's a danger to life, of course, that overrides even Shabbos. And if it's considered a danger, that people's lives are in danger, absolutely you would be allowed to do whatever it takes to protect people. That is a given. Okay? What we're talking about over here is not an oven that's, we're talking about a, a question of muksa. And the question is, is that an oven that's functional, is uh, is not a muktzah item. Um, a broken oven is a machlokis, whether it's a muktzah item or not. And that's exactly the discussion. Rabbi Yudha says it can't do anything along its original use. It's considered muktzah. According to Rabbi, Rabbi Meir, even without that, it's not muktzah because 
as long as it's useful in its state, and a broken piece of pottery, a broken piece of an oven, is actually a useful piece of pottery. You could do things with it. And that's why it's not moksa. Nothing to do with a fire. You understand? It didn't break in the process. That's a very good question. I really don't know. I mean, you're saying it's an unoccupied... F- so here's the thing. I, I, it's hard to know what... Uh, basically, I, my, my sister lives in Los Angeles. So, uh, just, uh, so when there's those forest fires in Los Angeles, they actually affect the townspeople really bad. And it, you know, so I don't... You know, it's hard for me to say that, but that that's... Something that was like, oh, it's going to stay in the forest and it's not going to cause harm to the neighboring areas. I would find that hard to believe because if it, if it starts in the forest, it will spread to the town. So that's the same thing. That's something that you sh- they should be allowed to stop. You understand? I don't think it stops there. So I, I don't know. That's my take on it. I don't know. But, if it, if it was, but as far as you ask me a theoretical question, if the only loss is a loss of forest, and no lives are threatened at all. It's a theoretical scenario. Then I don't know the answer. I don't. I, I would say you shouldn't be allowed to do it because we know for property you're not allowed to put out for value for money monetary needs. You're not allowed to transgress Shabbos. That being said, there are a lot of things that you can do. You can tell a gentile whoever whoever stops the fire won't lose out. Things like that. You can hint to the idea to help them that they should put out the fire, but a Jew would not be allowed to directly put out the fire. You understand? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so now this, this stone that's inside the pumpkin to weigh it down so it could be able to fill up water, it depends. If it's fillable, then, and it won't fall out the stone, so then it's okay. You can use it on Shabbos. And if not, then you can't use it. And uh, also we talked about in the Mishnah about a, a vine, a grapevine that's tied to a small little jug. You can use that grapevine as the rope to lower it down into the water and it's fine. Um, and oh, we also talked about the window stopper, which is basically a piece of board that was, that's used to fill the space of the area of the window to block the, you know, board up your window. So according to Abliezer, the only time you're allowed to use that is if it's actually attached in some way. It's, a, it's tied on and hanging in the air, so then you could put it up and take it down. But otherwise, you would not be allowed to do so, and the Chacham say that you can. Okay, we'll see more about that part in today's daf. So the, the first thing that the Gemara wanted to know is that it says that the stone that's on a barrel, you have to tilt the barrel till the stone falls off, and then you could use the, 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 because you can't really move the rock directly. So we have two quotes here. First is Rabbah in the name of Rav Ami in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, which is that's only because you forgot the stone there, that the stone's muksa, and you got a problem, and you got to shake it off in an indirect manner to get the stone off the barrel so I could use the barrel. But if you put it there intentionally, then... Um, Rav Ami, in the name of, of Rav Yochanan, would say that that's a basis, it's a support to a prohibited thing, which is the rock, 
and you cannot benefit from it. Okay, um, you can't use the you can't use the the barrel. It's stuck till after Shabbos. Next, we said was Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef in the name of Rav Asi in the name of Rav Yochanan, and he says that uh, it's only a case of where you forgot it, but if you placed it there, then it's then it's not even mutz altogether because it's a kisui for it's a cover for the barrel. And therefore, you can actually lift up that stone directly. It's a cover. And you can pick it up, put it down. So, um, Rabbah said, that, so again, two versions. Rabbah in the name of Rav Ami in the name of Rav Yochanan. And we have Rav Yosef in the name of Rav Asi in the name of Rav Yochanan. Basically, Rav Ami and Rav Asi have two versions as to what Rav Yochanan hold when it was placed there intentionally. One says, in opposite extremes, one says, it, the, the whole thing's moksa because it's a bustle of also The other one says the whole thing's not moksa because it's a keli now. This stone is utilized as a cover and therefore it's not a stone anymore. It's a, basically a perfectly legitimate utensil that's not even moksa. Okay, so opposite extremes. So Rabbi says, how does our Mishnah fit in with my, understand, my version? Which is basically because the Mishnah says that the stone doesn't bother us when it's in the when it's in the pumpkin. So he, said, so he says that's different because there you fixed the stone to the pumpkin. It's one of the walls of the pumpkin. That's a very different story than over here where it's just sitting there. Okay. What about, then Rav Yosef says that it also there's a question on me from the Mishnah because it says if it's not a fixed, then you can't use it. Why not? It's in there. The answer is because it's not functional. So it's not usable. And in that use, that's why it can't be done. Bottom line is, the major machlok is here between basically the two versions, Ravami and Ravasi's version, is um, is whether you need an action to a muksa item to make it not muksa from before Shabbos, or is it enough to have it in mind from before Shabbos? That's the key element. And it really boils down to an interesting story. Um, basically, um, what happened was is that one time Rebbe came to a town and he wanted to establish a place for Shabbos where they're going to be sitting to learn. And he saw a big pile of boulders and he said to, to students, just have in mind that we're going to use these boulders as our chairs so this way we can learn over here. And basically, what it, and, and that's what Rebbe Hanina said. Rebbe Yochanan said, no, that's not what he said. He said, you need to do something. And the question is, what level of action is needed? Okay, according to Rav Ami, you need the you need basically to put it exactly where you want it set up, and move it from before Yom Tov to be chairs. The only then is it okay because you because the, the nothing you can actually do on the stone, and therefore you won't be able to move it on Shabbos even if you have everything in mind. So therefore you have the most you could do is prepare from before Shabbos and then. Sitting on something, it's a stone, there's nothing wrong with doing that on Shabbos, and that's, what, that's how Rav Ami understood it. Rav Asi says, no, he just told them, go clean the rocks to make sure there's no dirt on it, and then it's good enough, and then the next day, that, so basically he did an action to show that I plan on using this tomorrow as a chair, and that's good enough to establish it as basically non mukta And these boulders are now chairs, and you can arrange them on Shabbos. I don't know. They're obviously not that heavy, but whatever it is, something that you could sit on, pick up, and move. Uh, and and according to Ravasi, you would be allowed to once they're cleaned, you would be allowed to use them. 
Now, that was version of uh, what they were talking about, that it was a pile of rubble, of rocks. We have a version of Rabbi Yosef ben Shol that it was actually a pile of beams. And uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Shol says that it was actually the, the depth measurer for ships that was being checked. And the bottom line is, though, that was one to be used as seats. Problem with that is, is that if you say gushush, then everything, then surely uh, just beams would also be okay. But if you say beams... Gushosh people might be even more makbaran, and that's because you these things, if they're not the size that we expect it to be, because they're bent out of shape, that can be very major problems. That can mean crashing uh, your ship, okay? Because their depth finding, if it's not deep enough, because it, it's bent out of shape, so then the bottom of the of the of the ship might scrape down the floor and be and it'll be stuck. So therefore. They're very makbid not to use it for sitting on. Okay. Brought us to the next part, which was the Zmora, and we asked an interesting question. Why is it only not Muktzah because you tied it on? Um, if it wouldn't be tied, it's a problem. Um, it, then it's not going like Rabshim Gamliel, who says that, uh, you can, that, that, that uh, uh, if you have palm bast um, that was separated from the tree, to be used for firewood, and then you said, you know what, I think I will just use it as a, as a seat. According to Tanakam, you need to tie it up and bundle it in order to make it a chair. Uh, and Rav Gamliel says, no, you could use it as a chair even in that state. So it's not muksa. so the same thing. Why should this string be muksa if it's a grapevine? So Rav Sheshis says that it could be going like Rav Gamliel. The difference is that we're talking about over here where it's still attached is fine. That's why it's more problematic. If it's attached, then how is it allowed altogether? Um, the answer is, is uh, because it's um, less than three tefachim from the ground, and when it's up up to three tefachim, it's you're allowed to benefit from things that are attached to the ground, and not higher than that. So, like uh, basically, if you have a branch on a tree and you want to hang your coat on it, you're not allowed to hang your coat on it. But if you have a root. That's at the lower end of the tree, and you want to sit down on the on the on the root that sticks out. You absolutely can because it's within three tefachim from the ground. Next thing we talked about is the window stopper, and we saw Rabbi Barbachan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that everybody agrees that you can't make an all aray in the beginning of Yom Tif, and surely not on Shabbos. In meaning, not what I mean in the beginning from the outset, you can't build one on Shab on Yom Tif or Shabbos to be a new wall uh, window stopper. Uh, or anything like that. But uh, that's if you're making a full wall from the outset, you're meaning you're making an Ohel Arai, a temporary tent that you can't do on Yom Tov or Shabbos. Um, the Machlokis is whether you can add on to that. Reb Lezer says you're not even allowed to add on on Yom Tov and truly not on Shabbos. And Rucham say you're allowed to do it on Shabbos and not, of course on Yom Tov as well. Basically, Mosif by an Ohel Arai. I have a part of an Ohel and I'm adding on to that, is that okay or not? In a temporary fashion, I'm only adding on temporarily. That's the two sides. And that is where we left off yesterday. And let's just stop the uh, recording.